Good morning, and welcome to On Target, a radio ministry of Village Bible Church in Hot Springs Village. We are located near the Coronado Center at 100 Ponderosa Way. Our Sunday morning service starts at 9.15 a.m. We hope you will enjoy and benefit from the sermon you will hear this morning. Now sit back and relax as you listen to a message by Senior Pastor Dr. Jason Lancaster. It's good to be back with you here this morning. Last Sunday I was with my family in Florida on vacation and our kids had a great time. At what age does vacations not look like babysitting? At what age does that happen? I'm waiting for it. Let me encourage you this morning to stay fully engaged as I have some exciting news to share with you later in the sermon. And I think you will be encouraged by the work of God that he's doing among us. So try to stay engaged. But I want to begin with something that seems very mundane. It's pretty boring. At first, it may seem boring. And it's called the Garland County Assessor. If you go to their website, you can see the allotted boundary markers and see who owns property. And at first it may seem boring, but if you want to know who your neighbors are, you can go to their website and look up some boundary markers at the homes around you. And if you want to make it even more exciting, and if you want to be nosy, you can punch in people that are your friends or your church members and see where they live. So I was a little nosy, and I want to see where my friends Jim and LeVan live. And so first, this is Jim's property. Isn't that exciting? Do you see him down there? All right, let's look at LeVan's. All right, there's LeVan's. And you can do this over and over and over again. Punch in a name, up pops a property. And at first, you may say, well, that seems kind of boring. But it can get exciting when you start placing names with properties. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because we're going to cover about seven chapters today of property lines and who lives where and what property did God give certain tribes and people of Israel. Now, the first part of the book of Joshua is about exciting battles and everything. We're, you know, we're really into it. But now it's about the distribution of the promised land to the tribes. And it may at first seem boring, but I'm hoping that as we go through this text of chapter 13 through chapter 21, it can be exciting. Rather than spend several weeks going over details and maps of who gets what, I thought it best to give you this big picture in one sermon. You're welcome. (laughs) But once again, I'm hoping that you will discover that what may seem boring at first can actually be really encouraging. Because through the distribution of land, what we're discovering is God's generational commitment. God's generational commitment. His generational love, his generational faithfulness, and his ongoing generational impact. And I think we're going to see this as we're going to bop around in these seven chapters. We're going to see his generational love, generational faithfulness, and generational impact. So let's just kind of get organized. And start with Joshua 13 and verse 1. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years when the Lord said to him, this is great, you're old and advanced in years, and very much of the land remains to be possessed. At this point, the conquest of the promised land has begun, and Joshua is getting up there old and advanced in years. 
And the promised land up to this point has been conquered for the most part, but there still remains land that needs to be possessed. And God speaks to Joshua to distribute the land to specific tribes so that they could go out to their specific territories and conquer the rest of the land. That's the way that God has it set up. And the land that they are going to receive is their inheritance. So let's jump down. We're still in chapter 13. Jump to verse 6. Look at verse 6. In fact, look at the very end of verse 6. And we'll see how the land is to be Israel's inheritance. Only allotted to Israel for an inheritance as I have commanded you. Now, therefore, apportion this land for an inheritance to the nine tribes and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Israel has inherited this land by grace. It's a promised gift of God by grace. It displays God's love, His faithfulness, and His ongoing impact that He was going to have through them from generation to generation. Let's start by examining His generational love. Go ahead and flip to Joshua 19. Turn to Joshua 19. God's love is shown to a nation, to tribes, to families, to individuals. Let's start with the tribe. Look at Joshua 19, verse 40. Verse 40 says, The seventh lot fell to the tribe of the sons of Dan according to their families. So the tribe of Dan. God is distributing some of the land by drawing of lots. And this is the casting of lots performed by a priest, by divine choice, and it would not allow any human favoritism. The seventh lot is determined by the boundaries of the tribe of Dan. So God is picking who gets what. No favoritism. Look at verse 41 through 46. As I've given you an example of the tribe of Dan. Look at verse 41. Territory of their inheritance was Zorah and Eshtol and Urshemish and Shalabim and Ajalon and Ithla and Elon and Timnah and Ekron and Eltica and Gibbethon and Baalath and Jehud and Ben-Barak and Gathramon and Mejarkon and Rakon with the territory over against Joppa. And then if you look at verse 48, this was the inheritance of the tribe of the sons of Dan according to their families, these cities with their villages. Once again, territory, allotted inheritance will go to the tribe of Dan and they will pass it down to their children and their children and their children. This is their spot in the promised land. Once again, land goes to a nation. It goes to tribes, but it also goes at times to individuals. And specifically, let's look at the inheritance of Joshua. Look at verse 49 in the same chapter. Verse 49. When they finished apportioning the land for inheritance by its borders, the sons of Israel gave an inheritance in their midst to Joshua the son of Nun. In accordance with the command of the Lord, they gave him the city for which he asked, Timnath Sarah, in the hill country of Ephraim. So he built the city and settled in it. Once again, Joshua receives this inheritance as a blessing for such great leadership. Land goes to the nation, land goes to the tribes, families, and at times here we see individuals. The Lord decides who gets what. He decides the allocations and the distributions, as we see in verse 51. These are the inheritances which Eleazar the priest and Joshua the son of Nun and the heads of the household of the tribes of the son of Israel, distributed by Lot and Shiloh, 
before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So they finished dividing the lamb. God is showing his love to the nation. God is showing his love to the tribes. God is showing his love to the families and to individuals. And this love was to be ongoing from generation to generation to generation to generation as long as Israel was obedient to the Lord. They would continue to enjoy the blessings of the inheritance of God's love. And at this point, I'm encouraged by God's love. Just pretend you don't know the future here of what's going to happen in Judges and ongoing. But right now, I'm encouraged by the particulars of God's love. It's very specific to tribes, very specific to families, and very specific to individuals. It's like a a detailed love that is amazing. And this detailed love aimed at these people here is the same detail of the love aimed at us. Because the same God who displayed detailed love to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Moses, to Joshua, down on through the tribes and the families, is the same detailed love aimed at you. It's like a a trickle-down love that trickles down to the members of God's family, especially today where his children adopted in Jesus Christ. Let me share something with you from Elizabeth Elliott. She said this, The God who created names and numbers of stars in heaven also numbers the hairs on my head. He pays attention to the very big things and to the very small ones. What matters to me matters to him, and that changes my life. As the Israelites receive this detail of God's particular love, so do we as a church, as families, and individuals. God cares about what's going on with you. It is a detail, it is a particular love that he is invested in your life, and he loves you. And it's this generational love that has flowed down to us in Jesus Christ. Well, let's keep going, all right? Let's look at his generational faithfulness. I'm going to pop up a, a verse to you, okay? I want you to consider this verse in Genesis 12, 7. Genesis 12, 7. God made this promise to Abraham centuries before. Genesis 12, 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, Your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Now, don't move on too quickly yet. I know, you know, you're eager to get going through all these uh, chapters, but don't move on too quickly yet. The Lord promised to be faithful to the promises of Abraham, to the children of Israel. And yet, they had 400 years in Egypt, and they had 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, and yet, once again, God was faithful. Were the people always faithful? They were not. Many times they were faithless, and yet God proved faithful and he gave them their inheritance just like he promised. Now let's dip back into our text and turn to Joshua 14. Turn to Joshua 14. I want you to see God's faithfulness to Caleb. We already saw God's faithfulness to Joshua. But let's look at the other faithful spy. You may remember Joshua and Caleb went out to spy out the land. They're the only ones that brought back a good report. And yet Joshua gets blessed, praise God, and now it's time for Caleb to get blessed. But on the day Caleb brought back a positive report, Moses made a promise to Caleb, and it's recorded here in Joshua. So we're looking at Joshua 14, verse 9. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and to your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Once again, Caleb has promised an inheritance, and now he's alive to finally receive his inheritance many years later. Verse 10. Now behold, 
The Lord has let me live just as He spoke these 45 years from the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am 85 years old today. Caleb has waited 45 years from the initial promise to fulfillment. But once again, God has promised what he said he'll do, and he was faithful. And so now Caleb is ready to roll, take his inheritance, and take the land. Look at verse 11 and 12. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war, for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakin were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. Don't you just love the spirit of Caleb? He's like, I'm 85 years old, but I can still fight. And since the Lord has promised me the land and he is faithful, then I'm going to take it. And Joshua pretty much says, have at it. It's your inheritance. The same God who was faithful to Caleb many years before is faithful to him now. And the same God who is faithful to you in your 40s is the same God who will be faithful to you now. Do you believe that? And the same God who is faithful in your 40s, same God's faithful now, the same God still has work for you to do now as he did when you were in your 40s. And some of you, you were faithful in your 40s and now you're reaping the fruit of that faithfulness right now. You're reaping that and you still have work to do. But some of you were faithless in your 40s. And by the fact that you're here right now proves that God is faithful. You may have blown it in your 40s and you may be reaping some of that now and yet God is still faithful. Maybe he intervened in your life in your latter years and he still has a plan and he's still working right now because God has this generational faithfulness in him and he's still working in people's lives. And the last thing I want to share with you is this concept of generational impact. Because the intent of God was to inter, in, impact the, the, the generations to follow over and over and over again. And these chapters are documentation. It's like an inheritance that keeps on giving over and over and over again from generation to generation to generation. But I want you to notice that some, even within these generations, had a passion to impact future generations. Let's look at Joshua 15, all right? Joshua 15. Joshua 15. Once again, we're going to be talking about Caleb. Now, this is an interesting story. Joshua 15, starting in verse 13. Starting in verse 13. Now he gave, Caleb, gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion among the sons of Judah, according to the command of the Lord to Joshua, namely Kiriath Arba. Arba being the father of Anak, that is Hebron. Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahimam and Talmai, the children of Anak. Caleb receives a portion of the land among Judah, and Caleb drove out the enemy. He then moves on to the next portion, verse 15. Then he went out from there against the inhabitants of Dibber, 
Now the land of Dibber, formerly, was Kiriath-Sephir. And Caleb said, The one who attacks Kiriath-Sephir and captures it, I will give him Aksa, my daughter, as a wife. And then a very interesting proposition. Whoever can capture the town can get my daughter as a wife. This guy named Othniel steps up, conquers the town, and he gets Aksa as a wife. Then Aksa makes a request of her father through her new husband, Othniel. Very interesting family dynamics. Check out the request that she makes. Verse 17. Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it. So he gave him Aksa, his daughter, as a wife. It came about that when she came to him, she persuaded him to ask her father for a field. So she alighted from the donkey, and Caleb said to her, What do you want? Then she said, Give me a blessing, since you have given me the land of the Negev. Give me also springs of water. So he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Now, I don't think there's any spoiled bratness going on here, but I simply believe that the father wanted to bless his daughter and give her not only the land of the Negev, but also the upper and lower springs. Caleb was doing on a small scale what all of Israel was to do on a large scale. They were to imitate God and having this generational impact. They were going to die, and they were going to pass off the scene, but they were to have an eye for the next generation. And as long as the current generation walked with the Lord, then the next generation could stay in the land and inherit the land and appreciate the blessings of living in the land. And then that generation had to walk with the Lord and be faithful so they could bless the next generation and they could stay in the land and they could live in the blessings of their inheritance. It was to pass on from generation to generation to generation. It was to be this generational impact. I don't know if you know this, but the Israelites, they were stewards of the land. They were not actual owners because the owner was God. And in the same way, we're really not owners. We're just stewards of what God has given. And as stewards of what God has given us, we want to be found faithful, right? We want to be faithful as individuals. You want to be a steward of your time, steward of your money, steward of your gifts. And you want to be a steward because these, these are things just given to you and you want to impact other people in your life, including the next generation. But have you ever thought of it this way? As individuals can impact the next generation, so can churches. This church right here, as good stewards, can have an eye toward the next generation, can have an eye toward impacting those who come after us. And this is the exciting news that I, I wanted to share with you, and this idea of generational impact. Here it is. God has really blessed VBC. Over the years before I got here, there has been some Funds that have come in in excess of our budget, in excess of our reserve. And these funds are a huge blessing to our church. And the elders are responsible for praying and seeking the face of God in using these funds. The, the responsibility falls on them. And so as I joined this group of elders, we started praying. We started seeking the face of God, asking for wisdom. Lord, what do you want us to do with your money? 
And we believe God was calling us to make a generational impact because we're just one church here in Hot Springs Village. We can't do everything. We can't have our fingers in everything, but you know what? There are some things we can do. And we believe that God wants us to partner with others to have a generational impact. And the way that we've come up with this generational impact is we want to lay it out in three areas. We call it a generational impact where we want to impact future generations, those who've yet to be born, younger generations, those who for the most part don't live here, and village generations, those who are coming in here. It's just a matter of time. They're moving in all the time. So let me explain to you the specifics of this. This is pretty amazing how God has put this together. The first group we want to impact is future generations, those who've yet to be born. There is a ministry within the Hot Springs called Change Point Crisis Pregnancy Center. Women who are pregnant come in to them miraculously, and they receive love and counseling and encouragement to keep their babies and not have abortions. And they have an ultrasound machine where they can show the woman, look, there is something living inside of you. But this ultrasound machine that they've had at Change Point was getting old, 10 years old, in fact, where there's, can't even really get parts for it anymore. And the images looking pretty old. And yet we want these girls to see what their babies look like. And so by God's grace, by the blessing of your giving and a miracle, God has made a way for us to buy them a new machine. Let's see a picture of that machine. It's a super duper machine. It's one of those HD, 4D, I don't know all the Ds it has, but I want you to show you the differences in the images. Let's see the images. The top is before, this is now. So, isn't that awesome? They have this now, being trained on it, using it. That's what the girls are going to see. There's a baby inside of you. But we want to take it a little bit further, if that's all right with you. We, we're working with ChangePoint to, to provide another option for, for you and others to contribute to a special project fund to get them an additional portable unit where they can take an ultrasound portable unit into the rural areas, areas where they don't have access to these crisis pregnancy center. And now we're, we're kind of moving out as research is being done to figure out what machine to buy. And we're, we're, we want you to get in on this. We want to partner with others, and we want to get them this portable unit. And so if you'd like to give to that, Pastor Jim will come up here later, and he'll tell you all the ways that we can, we can give to get them a portable ultrasound machine. But just be encouraged. We're thinking toward the future. And plus, we don't want babies not to live. We're thinking about future generations. And so that's a way that you have had a generational impact there. The second area is what I'm calling, what we're calling, younger generations. Since Hot Springs Village at the moment continues to be populated by primarily retirement age people, how can us have an impact on younger generations? And I believe that one of the ways that our church can invest in the next generation, specifically younger generations, is through something called church planning. One of the most effective ways to reach younger generations is through church planning. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've experienced it. You see, God did a work on me several years ago. I always thought, go to a church and try to make your church as big as you can to stroke your ego and, of course, contribute to the kingdom, right? But God reworked my thinking, 
And he showed me instead of church growth, just my local church, church growth can happen in the kingdom. And the way that happens is through church planning. Let me tell you what this looks like. At our last church, we planted a church in 2010 in St. Paul, Minnesota. They have about 200 people in their church right now. And in the past, I thought, well, that's not my church growing. Oh, but we're going to count that because that's kingdom growth that came out of our church initiating something to plant a church. 2012, we planted a church in Rogers Park, Chicago. There are around 75 people now. God counts that. In 2014, we planted a church in Gainesville, Florida. They have 300 people. God counts that. That's kingdom growth. 2017, we planted a church in, in North Park in Chicago, and they're growing. God counts that. So instead of me being in my little huddle of just my church and my growing church, God gave me a kingdom perspective that we can have our fingers in our hands and planting other churches that impact not only our generation, but generations that are younger. And by God's grace, we can use some of these extra funds that we have. And by God's grace, this church in the next two to three years will have its hands in planting four to six churches. That is wonderful. I'm interacting with candidates. I'm looking at their plan. I've had a background in this. I can see if their plan is going in the right direction. They're filling out applications. So we're going through all the details right now, and it's going to take some time. But by God's grace, over the next two to three years, we'll plant four to six churches that will impact the next generation. And lastly, we're going to talk about village generations. I don't know if you notice. New people are moving to the village all the time. And some of the new people that are moving to the village have different needs, have different expectations of what church looks like, what they will participate in. And there will come a time in our future, I don't know when, but there will come a time at VBC where we're going to need to upgrade our facilities. Because I want to tell you this, the building you're sitting in right now and the Sunday school classes that you're going to go to after this is because a former generation in the village had foresight, a vision, and a plan to bless you. Most of you probably weren't here when those plans were, were coming together. Maybe some of you were, but most you weren't. We're talking that was last century, right? Technically it was, and then they built it. And now we're about 19 years in because a former generation of those in the village are blessing you right now. And so we want to have foresight and vision and say, okay, God, new people are coming in here. What do you want us to do? There'll come a time for a remodel. There may come a time for a little bit of changes here and there, not sure of all the details. But we want to have some money on hand. I mean, we don't want to be taking on massive debt and building campaign. I'm not sure what all that looks like. But we want to at least have some money on hand to be thinking about, okay, who is coming after us? This is a really exciting time at BBC. God has blessed us. He's blessed this church through you, and he wants us to have an impact. And to think that we are having an impact right now and moving forward is encouraging. And I want you to be encouraged. Who knew that boundary lines and allotment of land could be so exciting? And to make it even more special, I want to end with one last verse from King David. Let me put this psalm up for you. Psalm 16, 5 through 6. Lord, you have assigned me my portion and my cup. You have made my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have 
a delightful inheritance. All of us in Jesus Christ can save this. The Lord has made our lot in life secure in Christ. The way that he has orchestrated our lives is like a boundary line falling in pleasant places. And in Jesus, we have a delightful inheritance. In Jesus, we have forgiveness, grace, eternal life, mercy, adoption of the family, feeling of the Holy Spirit, and the greatest inheritance ever is that we get God face-to-face forever and ever and ever. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. It was preached recently at Village Bible Church. You can hear this message or let others know about it by visiting our website at vbchsv.org or call us at 922-0404. Meanwhile, have a blessed day as you walk along the way guided by God's Word.